The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. People! The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Marvelous. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The part of thunder and rock and roll. The spell you're under has been broken by Chris Jericho. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride. It's a rock show at the Concert Gabot. And it's long hair at the Madison Square. They got rock and roll at the Hollywood Bowl. Ooh, yeah. I'll be there. Woo! Rock show right here. The classic Wings song, Paul McCartney and Wings. Also just covered by Kiss on the Art of McCartney compilation album, uh, which is, uh, is out now. Kind of some of the greatest rock bands of all time doing Paul McCartney songs, mostly from the Wings era, the solo era. And Kiss did that with Gene Simmons singing the, the uh, beginning part. Sitting on the round at the sports arena, waiting for the show to begin. That part is Gene, and then Paul comes in with the fast part. So, man, I sure would love to have a member of Kiss on the show. Circles, current member of Kiss on the show, especially since... The 100th episode of Talk is Jericho is just one week away. I mean, man, if I could just have anybody on the show from Kiss. But one guy in particular, I just, uh, just been trying for so long to get this guy, but you just never know what's going to happen, do you? But I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about next week. I'm worrying about today. And you guys have been asking, requesting, begging for this man and I got him. Dean Ambrose is on the show today. Part one of a very fruit conversation re-recorded over in Europe recently. You'll hear all about Mr. Ambrose, how he got that. Uh, you'll hear all about Mr. Ambrose, how he got his original wrestling name, John Moxley. Here's a hint. It's from a football movie. He also gets into his latest obsession, mountain biking. We talk about his WWE tryout and where the name Dean Ambrose came from. He's got a couple great Vince McMahon stories as well. 
Very, very eclectic guy. Very eccentric, unique. Uh, I love him. I love him. Once uh, I get a chance to get to know this guy, he's very, very funny. Uh, and he's he's breaking out. He even won a Slammy for being a breakout star in the WWE in 2014. But before we get to Dean, you know what I got to do. I want to say thanks to you, A, for schwazen to listen to Talk is Jericho. I know there's thousands of uh, podcasts to listen to, and I know you schwaz mine. I appreciate that. And I want to thank you every time you shop at Amazon for using my link. It's the easiest way to support the show. Every time you use one of my Amazon links, remember, Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada. A, just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You can get all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon. For instance, The Art of McCartney, that uh, all-star tribute CD that I was talking about earlier with Kiss doing a Venus and Mars rock show on it. I think Billy Joel is on there. Cheap Trick, Heart, so many great bands. Or you can get Fozzie, the Do You Want to Start a War, the new Fozzie record. Uh, just burning up the charts. Did such a great job for us. Uh, people love the tunes and we play them live. If you haven't heard them, what are you waiting for? If you have heard them and haven't bought the record, support the band. You can also support me with the New York Times bestselling, the best in the world at what I have no idea. That's the third New York Times bestseller I've uh, I've written. Uh, so thank you to you guys for digging that. Great, great Christmas presents. But the truth is you can buy whatever you want. It's Christmas time. It's only a few weeks away. You need to get presents under the tree you need to get the presents in the stocking there's a lot of stuff you got to buy and it won't cost you anything extra if you use my amazon links there's no hidden fees or charges so if you happen to be doing some amazon shopping you can help out the show in the process the easiest way to get all your holiday shopping done you knock out your whole list in just one shot here's how you do it you go to podcastone.com you click on the keep our podcast free banner at the top of the page eh? then hit the talk is jericho button bookmark it so you can get those links in one easy click. And do it right now. All right, like I said, Fozzie on the road right now. Cinderblock Party Tour is about to wrap up. It's been such a huge success. Texas Hippie Coalition, Shaman's Harvest. It's almost uh, sad whenever the shows are over, when the tour is over. It's been a great three weeks with some great great folks, great bands, great fans who've come to see us all across the country from Michigan to Wisconsin to Minnesota. Texas, New Orleans, Missouri. I mean, there's been so many. Iowa. I probably forgot a few states. And, of course, finishing up in Florida. We've got uh, the Culture Room in Fort Lauderdale tonight, Wednesday. Then we hit the House of Blues in Lake Buena Vista, Orlando, tomorrow night, Thursday. And the final show of the tour, uh, this leg of the tour, Friday night in Tampa at the State Theater. It's going to be amazing. Don't miss out if you guys live in the Florida area. Come check out the tour that everyone is talking about and everyone's rocking about. Then we go overseas, the Cinderblock Party World Tour 2015 with The Dirty Youth, one of the hottest up-and-coming bands in the UK. That starts March 4th in Belfast. Then we're going to Cork, Dublin, Nottingham, Wolverhampton, Manchester, Glasgow, London, Bristol, Exeter, Southampton, Brighton, all in the UK before we head over to mainland Europe. And we're going to rock it over there in Paris, Pratain, Switzerland, München, I don't know how to pronounce that, München, Germany, somebody help me, how, how do you, what's the actual, München, München, I'm not sure, I'm sorry, Mannheim, and then Bochum, I know Bochum is right, so many, many great shows coming up, any ticket information you want, go to fozzyrock.com, 
you'll find ticket info and VIP info. We do have one of the best VIP programs you can experience. You won't be disappointed if you come and hang out with us backstage uh, with the band. Always a great time to hang out with the true Fozzie fanatics like you. Uh, a couple days ago, it was December 8th. The December 8th is a very poignant day for me on many different levels. Uh, it's a celebration time in the fact that it's um, my Auntie Bev's birthday. It was my best friend Spiwi's mom's birthday. Um, Phil Collin from Def Leppard, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, all my friends. But it's also my dad's birthday, which is uh, unbelievably turned 70 this year. He was on the show way early on, Ted Irvin. Told some great stories about his early days in the NHL. He played in the NHL from uh, 67 to 77. And um, just a, a very, very cool, cool guy. He's the type of guy that a lot of people say, like, oh, we love your dad. And some people even said, you know, I wish, I wish your, my dad was your dad. And it's like, when you ever hear, you hear stuff like that, I mean, it really kind of puts things in perspective. And I've never, I've always had a great relationship with my dad. I can't remember ever really fighting with him. A couple of years ago, we got into a couple of fights, but... Um, it was never, it was never anything direct between us. It was kind of outside forces, but one of the most positive influences in my life, the most positive influence in my life for sure. Um, and just so, so cool to be able to have him on my show. And it was interesting because he, he did have some heart issues last year when I was supposed to get him on the show. And it was kind of one of those things where you, you just never know your dad starts creeping up. I mean, any of us, but especially when my dad was almost 70 and he had these heart issues and we were going to do the podcast. And he ended up in the hospital around that time frame, And it really, you know, it puts perspective on things as to what you have and, and to never take those relationships that you have lightly because you never know when they could, you know, suddenly end. And, um, I'm excited. I'm going up to Winnipeg for, for, for Christmas time with, with, with my family. And we're going to stay at my dad's house, have a big party with his uh, other grandkids, with his stepdaughter. So all the grandkids will be together. We'll be up in the frozen tundra skating and, and, and uh, tobogganing and all the fun stuff like that. And we're going to do another podcast. It's going to be Teddy at 70. So, um, and, and the cool thing was when it was my dad's birthday yesterday, I kind of sent a, a mass email out to, you know, a lot of the guys that I worked with in the WWE and WCW and, um, family and friends, my cousins, my wife's cousin, Chad, and my other cousin, Todd and Spiwi, And then the guys in Fozzie my, last year when we were in, uh, in Winnipeg on, on Thanksgiving, it was Canadian Thanksgiving he came and brought us a big spread and the guys still talk about that, all the nice pies that were there and the shrimp and the turkey. And, you know, when you're on the road for, for three, four weeks, when you get a nice home cooked meal brought to you, um, you know, by your dad, it's a pretty cool feeling. So they still always appreciate that. And you got some, some pretty great emails. I mean, Vince, Vince um, McMahon sent him an email, which was very cool. And, you know, just, just, uh, that's a sign of respect towards him. And there was also a lot of people on Twitter. There was St. Louis Blues uh, tweeted a picture of him and said it was his 70th birthday. He played for the Blues, for the Rangers, and for the Kings. Opeachy cards, uh, which is uh, the, the old school trading cards that we used to buy, the hockey cards we used to buy, kind of posted a birthday wish to him as well. So, um, you know, even on, on the Instagram, I posted a nice thing about him and, and the picture of him playing hockey. And, of course, there's like 100 comments, and 75 of them are happy birthday to Ted Irvin. The other 25 are, oh, you're back on Raw. You're hosting Raw. And, I mean, it's like, come on, guys. Have some decorum here, you know. But uh, great, great, great to be able to say that my dad is 70. And 
you know, I still remember when, when I told him I wanted to be a wrestler, he was always supportive of it. When I told him I wanted to be in a rock and roll band, he was always supportive of it. I got my love of music from my dad. The first uh, bits of music I can remember listening to were eight-track tapes, if you remember those things. And he had the Beatles, Let It Be. He had um, like Mamas and Papas. He had all these like solid gold hits from the 50s, where there's a song from Elvis called Don't. When the night is cold... And I want to hold you, baby, don't say don't. You know, the office, don't say don't. Um, I don't think I've ever heard that song since. So uh, it inspired me to buy my first eight track, which was Beach Boys Summer Fun, way back in the, like 1979. And I remember my dad taking me around to start buying albums. So I really got into the Beatles. He always supported it, driving me around. My mom did too. But uh, my dad took me to Yellow Submarine, Let It Be, at the Midnight Movies show in Winnipeg at the Colony Theater. That was way back, probably 79 or 80. So just always a very supportive guy. And then when I wanted to get into wrestling, he actually drove me uh, to Calgary. Actually, it was Okotoks, which is outside of Calgary. Funny funny sounding uh, city. Town, village, O-K-O-T-O-K-S was the name of it. And, um, you know, I, I still remember walking into like this, this little ramshackle kind of quote-unquote schools more of a garage behind a gas station and keith hart was sitting in there and uh kind of going in the ring and keith saying what's what you got kid and i was wearing a super tight shirt and you know he probably said oh, here's a fish we've hooked him for next year but my dad was supportive he's like you know you got to get into this and he was always calling blackjack lanza and anybody that he like, i remember he came in contact with nick blackburn and wally or sorry uh nick blackburn it was stanley blackburn nick bockwinkle um who was the other guy? Wally Carbo, kind of like the figureheads of AWA. And he would, you know, Tony Kandel would be calling these guys. My son wants to get into wrestling. Can he come and train? You know, that sort of a thing. But, um, yeah, always good to know that my dad was always supportive. And I remember another time when I was in Japan and my contact tore in half and I only had one set. And I decided, well, if I put the contact in my eye, I'll be able to see half of what's going on. And, of course, it, it, it uh, proceeded to directly go behind my eye. And I was really scared because I thought, like, this thing has disappeared. Like, what if it ends up in my brain and, like, you know, kills me? So I called my dad, and he went to his dentist in Winnipeg and called me back. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's impossible for it to go into your brain. There's, like, a, there's like a membrane back there. So just stare at the ground and blink. That's what the doctor, uh, the, the doctor said to do. So I just sat there for, like, an hour blinking, and finally the thing came out again. But, you know, my dad was always the go-to guy that I went to whenever I had an issue or a problem or anything going on. And he still is, you know, uh, when the when Eddie passed away or the Benoit tragedy, he's always the first guy that I call. Um, when I'm going back to the WWE or when we've got Fozzie shows coming on or whatever it may be, my dad's still you know my best friend that I can count on to be there for me all the time. So happy birthday to Ted Irvin, who scored um, 331 points in, in just over 700 regular season games and 40 points in 83 playoff games. So he was a point every two game guy and tough as nails. Fought Dave Schultz, fought Jerry Korab, fought all these guys. He was the uh the uh, uh pioneer, the precursor to what's known as the as a, a power forward now. And if he had been uh, you know, if he'd been playing in this day and age, he'd probably be making 5, 6, 7 million dollars a year. So great guy, look forward to seeing him, look forward to having him on the podcast. Um, so very much a day of celebration on December 8th, but also a bittersweet day because also the day that two very influential musicians in my career, uh, John Lennon passed away on December 8th, 
as did Dimebag Daryl, passed away on December 8th. Both of them assassinated in cold blood. And it's such a crazy, you know, I don't know, coincidence or whatever. I mean, Lennon, beloved by the world, assassinated by a disgruntled fan. And Dimebag, who's another guy that I've never heard anybody say anything bad about, you know, uh, well, really, I mean, in retrospect, especially after he's passed, but also assassinated, but this time on stage by a crazed fan. And that could be the first time I've ever heard that happening. Uh, a fan killing somebody on stage. And, you know, I only met, obviously never met John Lennon. I was a huge Beatles fan when he, when he was assassinated. I remember thinking like, oh, one down. You know, when will the next one leave, die? And it was ended up being George Harrison in 2002. But, you know, to be, to, be, to be killed at 40, Lennon was killed when he was 40 years old. And just getting back in the music business. And I really do believe, had he not been assassinated, that it's quite obvious that um, there would have been a Beatles reunion. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Especially in 80, he's just starting to get the creative, you know, the, the creative juices back flowing and he's getting back in the game and just where McCartney was at at the time. And it's just, it's just like, man, I just really believe there would have been a Beatles reunion. And, and you know, I, they, they might not be still the Beatles, but I bet Lennon and McCartney would still be jamming to this day. John would be 74 now. But Paul's 72, and it just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just a drag, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But the fact that this guy who was always talking about peace, and he was a, a, a pioneer for peace and a prophet of peace, you know, and, and every other alliteration I can think of was murdered in cold blood. Just a, a sad, sad, awful thing. One of the worst tragedies in rock history. But also Dimebag. He was 38 years old, murdered on stage, you know, the, 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 you know that, that's why, you know, Vinnie Paul is a very good friend of mine. He's been on this show before and I always have a great relationship with him. And I always have such respect for the fact he's been able to uh, rebuild his life, rebuild his career. I mean, here's a guy who lost his brother, best friend, musical, you know, musical partner, business partner, everything like literally inches in front of him. And was thinking for a time that he was next. And, and thankfully, you know, he survived it. But the mental anguish and pain he must have gone through, completely out of control. Uh, and, and Dime was only 38, so pretty much the same age group as, as John Lennon as well. So just a terrible, terrible, uh, you know, it, it's great to remember those guys. And I guess everybody has to go sometimes. But to go so violently when you're just a, a guy like a Dimebag was the type of guy who just loved to make people happy and loved to make people uh, smile. And then it was always kind of the life of the party. And anybody you talk to will always say that, you know. And I met Dime once back in 2002 when we were doing a, um, a Fozzie thing for Nam. And he came up and he had known Rich Ward and Frank Fonsere because they toured together, Pantera and Stuck Mojo. But he came over and kind of looked at us and we were, you know, we were doing all the dressed up and kind of wearing the wigs and everything. And he was like, is this a tribute or taking the piss? We're like, it's a tribute. He's like, I like it. I get it. And that was about it. That's all I ever met from Dime. But um, like I said, God bless Dime. God bless John Lennon. God bless Teddy Irvin. And God bless all of you. Thank you so much for being here, for listening to the show. You know we got WWE Superstar, Breakout Star of the Year, Former member of The Shield, Dean Ambrose, is next. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tonight is Saturday night. What do you say we have a rock and roll party? Talk is Jericho. All right, so I'm here with uh, with Dean Ambrose, uh, my partner in the newest rockers. Yeah, is that what we're calling we're ourselves? Either the newest rockers or MWR, most recent rockers. Most recent rockers. We should actually put that up to a vote. We'll have people uh, on the Twitter, on the Twitter, as I like to say, vote which name you like better for our tag team name: the newest rockers or the most recent rockers. Yeah, I like to have a I have a team name for all my uh, like dark match tag team partners. You know, so like, we're, like, not, we're not real teams, but, you know, for one night only, because it just makes it more fun. Like me and Seamus or Jack and Jameson <laughs> being the big show or the Texas Hangman for no other reason than I think we were in Texas. Yeah. Well, said, you- Let's have a name, man. And uh, But you got to admit, though, it makes it a lot more fun. Like you were sure like, oh, this dark match, we got to go out there. and But then as soon as we became the newest rockers... Then you got pumped up about it. You know what's it. funny is that's totally that's totally true. Like yeah. I wasn't against it, but anytime you have a dark match, especially after a SmackDown taping, and we were in Liverpool, that was the famous night that Vince went out and yelled at the crowd to get louder. So the crowd's not like super loud, <laughs> but you're like, yeah, we need a tag team name. And as soon as we decided on the newest rockers, I was really excited. Yeah, it makes it more fun. It does. They, they weren't too bad. No, they weren't. I, we got them at the end, for sure. We did. I mean, I Vince, don't know. Vince went out through the... I guess it wasn't on TV, obviously, but, you know, he went out and uh, it's probably, Bill probably heard about it by now. Mm-hmm. He went out and kind of talked a little trash, kind of razzed the crowd in Liverpool a little bit to try and fire him up. And pretty much he just ended up insulting them. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But then he got to the back, Jericho's like, did you get him? And he goes, oh, they can't be got. <laughs> they can't be got tonight. The seas are stormy. Well, he wasn't doing a pirate voice. Well, and that's kind of... He became a pirate just now. That's the kind of theme of the tour is the pirate voice, too. Everyone's doing the pirate voices on this. Are you behind this as well? Are you into it or no? No. Well, I, w- I wasn't at first. It was really irritating me at first. I'm like, okay, the pirate jokes. You know, you're not really making new jokes. They're just saying different words that have an AR in them. And right. Just, but making them R. <laughs> What's a pirate's favorite fast food? Arby's. I'm like, dude, that's not... You're just making the same joke over and over. It's not. Yeah, it's what, not what happens is after these... a week, though, it got so ridiculous. <laughs> that, it's the that classic. Then I started almost falling into it because it's that. It's I that's the cabin fever on the tour. <laughs> it's the, the long European tour. It, it's it's the classic. It's the classic thing that when you just repeat it over and over again, that it becomes funny. And what we're talking about is that Cody and Kane on this tour, and these tours are along, they're two-week tours or so, and there's a show basically every night. So uh, they decided it'd be funny to just talk like pirates, and I think that's a little bit just being giddy, like you said, cabin fever. Uh, the one I came up with is, what's a pirate's girlfriend's name? Peg. <laughs> 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 there was that one second of like I hope he laughs at this <laughs> oh that was Not perfect bad, right? you know what was funny tonight uh, uh, Dean has been nice enough to run down to the ring and save me from the dastardly Bray Wyatt and Kane on this tour and then tonight uh, they were playing my music and you picked up the kendo stick because it was a street fight and started uh, strumming the chords to the song as if you were playing guitar 
which I thought like that was one that was like super funny. Like I just thought that was really funny. I mean, yeah, I kind of just felt like I had to. You know the Jericho mean? music playing. I got a kendo stick in my hand. <laughs> I'm actually a hell of a guitar player. Uh, excuse me. Let me. You can say. Let that. me rephrase that. Hell of an air guitar player. I can't actually play guitar. Okay. The last tour, I actually convinced three or four people that I that I could play guitar just from my just from uh, your air prowess. Guitar? prowess? They, yeah, I had Naomi and a few other people convinced. Like they're like, you can play guitar, right? I'm like, yeah. Can you tell? Obviously. What, like were you listening to a song and then we just lay down the solo perfectly? Yeah, like White Stripes or you know, yeah. like Metallica, or Guns N' Roses solos or the ones that you have memorized in your head. Yes. Where you can you have the whole solo memorized in your head. I can never play a solo, but I but I can air guitar it because I know what's coming. You know, yeah. so I can really get into the performance. So, but you had them convinced that you could actually play. Yeah, but so you have this really dry dry wit about you you know you're very stoic and very kind of quiet and when you talk like people are kind of listening so i can see you be able to to convince them of that because they're like well there's no way he'd be lying about this yeah and you know and just the performance was so strong <laughs> that's what it was the performance was so amazing actually tonight, yeah, don't try I, to justify it in any other way than my air guitar was awesome yeah so we can yeah. That, just forget that the performance of it was perfect yeah. even had the vibrato like wow I don't even know what that word means. It's when you. That's when you, how little I know about actual guitar playing. <laughs> it's when you hit a note and it goes like wow, when you bend the note up, you know, like sweet child of mine. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I do that. Yeah. yeah. So you do that. Yeah, I kind of did that tonight in the, in that where it goes wow on the wall on the yeah. uh, break down the wall song. I actually grabbed a chair and joined you. We were the new guitar duo for the nations. Oh yeah. For the ages. That was good. Picture. Yeah, they well, they, they got to get their money's worth, you know. But they they got their money's worth. I'll tell you that much. But you mentioned music. I mean, we've been sitting on the back of the bus on this tour, and you actually uh, seem like you're pretty into uh, into a lot of different bands. What bands do you dig? Um, man, I like every, I like everything. I, I can't, you know, it's a cop out to be like, oh, I like everything, but mm. I like so much different stuff. Like I don't like a particular genre. I, I'm not a because there's you know there's good rock music and bad rock music. Mm -hmm. There's good rap, bad rap, good country, bad country. Mm -hmm. You know like uh I like I like rock and roll, classic rock, blues. If it sounds good, if it's got a good vibe. I have different like uh songs I like to listen to for different uh for different times of the day. Mm -hmm. You know we have like some music we like to have in the locker room before the show. If it's a you know if it's been a rough tour and uh Guys are dragging a little. We need to kick up the right, energy a little bit. A bit right. You know, it's like uh, it's like being the DJ of your own life. You know, uh, <laughs> I have like you know, workout songs, hanging out, having a couple songs, chilling songs. I have mountain biking. I have mountain biking playlists, specific mountain biking songs. What would be on your mountain biking playlist? The uh, Venge Sevenfold, Pantera. So it's got to be the heavy driving. Yeah, stuff. like re like really like fast paced, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. you know, like like for some reason I like th like thrashy music mm -hmm. while mountain biking. It just seems to fit, you know. But uh, you mountain bike in Vegas? Yeah, that's where you live. It seems like there's kind of pretty flat terrain there. Well, it's no, like there's uh, there's Red Rock Canyon and uh, Mount Charleston and. Uh, Lake Mead and the whole, uh, you know, I never really got, was a big biker before, but I kind of got into it. And uh, now I'm like becoming slowly obsessed with mountain with biking. Mountain biking? Yeah. 
I'm into it. It's fun. And it's good. It's like just feels good to be out in nature. Mm-hmm. Like I'll spend like if I get to go home, I'll spend like two full days just out in the desert. By just myself biking, right? Yeah. Bike. yeah. Like I did this uh, thing called the Red Rock Canyon Trail the other day. Uh, last time I was home, it's like 15 miles mm-hmm. around in a big circle. And the first eight miles is all uphill. But it's it's such a low grade that you don't realize how like hard it is. You mm-hmm. know, I went ah, fifteen miles on a bike. That's nothing. That'll take me like thirty minutes. Uh-huh. And after when I hit the mile two marker, I was so blown up. I wanted to like die. I was like, I don't think I can do this. But you can't stop right because you're out in the middle of the desert by yourself in the middle of nowhere. You have you have no choice but to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the halfway point, and then at the top you can look out and see the whole canyon and see. Uh, you know, Vegas if it were nighttime, the whole canyon be lit up, and then you get like this nature slash exercise high. It's a rush, you've yeah. Conquered this, yeah, and you're standing up on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, things like, you know, you have a different perspective of everything for a little bit. You know, like something sure. like wrestling seems so unimportant <laughs> when when you just see the whole curve of the earth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of that particular uh, little trail is all kind of downhill now because now you're at the highest point now you're kind of coasting so you do a lot of like coasting you get up to like 40 miles an hour and then there's uh hills that go up again but you'll go down a hill first and you'll pick up so much speed just coasting that it'll shoot you straight up the other side of the hill like like a roller coaster so it's it's quite exhilarating the the second half so the second once you get to the at the halfway point then that's like the reward and then you're like all right now it's on now and then you just then you're just rolling the road for, is that how do you train like that a lot? Have you started to, to use that as kind of like a training for you rather than going to the gym? You 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 mountain bike? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for, yeah, because you know stuff like that. I like to be out. You know, I don't like uh, you know fancy gyms and and all that stuff. You know, I like uh, I like to keep it as simple mm-hmm. as, as possible and stuff like that. You know, is a lot more challenging and mentally beneficial than uh. I mean, you can't do that on the road. You know, all the time, stuff like that. But, uh, I like. I mean, I know that some of the boys are into the CrossFit stuff now, and they, and they really are into that, which is cool. But I do most of my training now is either yoga, or I have a little. Uh, it's not even a trail. It's kind of stupid. But around my house, I, I take out my bike and ride from my house around the. It's basically almost like a back roads highway. It's ten miles, yeah. but. You can ride on the on the side of the curb, but cars will pass you, and most of them will give you leeway. But once in a while, you get the dicks who come really close, and it's pretty scary. But it's like you said, it's exhilarating to be outside and be be riding this bike. And like, I guess knowing that you could die at any point in time adds to the. It, it'd be much better than doing it on a treadmill where you just look at the same thing over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know something really good about you know just being out out in nature. And they went to uh, yeah, I did did a bunch of riding around. Uh, vancouver when i was up there for a bit there's some crazy cool trails up there because there's like all different kinds of landscape there's beaches and mountains and uh varied uh, different kinds of sure like terrain yeah they did i did this thing called grouse mountain which is uh i'm not a real experienced or or skillful hiker but it's uh it's called the grouse grind Mm -hmm. grouse mountain and it's like this uh hike that goes straight up where they dig steps into the rock so you just start walking and just walk for hmm. – and you go around little curves and you go over little bridges and stuff. And uh, as you get higher, it gets steeper. And it takes you like an hour or hour and a half or something mm-hmm. like that. But and Basically it's hiking hard. up the steps. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Nice little leisurely stroll, mm-hmm. no problem. And uh, 
then after you get to about the quarter way, you're like, oh, man, this is hard. <laughs> like, man, oh, man, we're only a quarter of the way there. That's insane, but it's the same thing. It's like you get to that three-quarter mark and you start realizing how high you are and you see all the views mm -hmm. and you're like, and then you get that that exercise nature high and you're like, whoa, like this is cool. I can go forever. And then you get to the top and it's this great payoff when you get to the top. Yeah. So, of like being able to, like you, it's like you actually did climb the mountain and you can put your flag in the top of it. Like, oh, I did something. I conquered it. Oh, yeah. I couldn't you wait know? to tell for people to ask me, what, like, just say what's up. Because I'll be like, oh, I don't know. Just climb the mountain today. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Very cool the thing to have said you did that day. And this is when you're in Vancouver. Is this when you're filming the movie? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. What's the, and what the movie? What's the movie called? Uh, it's called uh, Lockdown. It's, it's similar to Die Hard. It's a okay. Die Hard esque. It's not the same story, but it's uh, essentially the same kind of feel. There's a cop trapped in a building trying to trying fight, to and, fight and shoot his way out with. You know, guile and wit and... Nice word, guile. Uh, <laughs> and all kinds of... Uh, I won't give away any of the cool stuff I do. But but, uh, but how how was that filming a movie? Like, first of all, let's talk about how did you get that that uh, that offer to star in your own movie so early in your WWE tenure? It's only been a couple of years since you've been here. That's a good question. I really don't even know. I just... Uh, and I think that they just... Somebody somewhere saw that particular role and just thought i'd be good at it or mm -hmm. suggested it or something i really don't know because they just came up to me one day and uh basically it was just like you know be in a movie and i was like get out of here really <laughs> me really <laughs> okay <laughs> all right cool sweet all right and uh i just figured it'd be like uh like a cameo or like a, i'm standing in the background for a minute or something yeah, like real barrett small. in that colin farrell movie was in it for like two seconds or whatever yeah i was yeah. like well this would be easy this is gonna take me a month to do this like yeah, no problem but then uh after talking to the producer and stuff and getting a little more information then i realized that like i was the main character You're the star and i was like whoa does anybody i even said this to the producer i was like as you guys realize i'm completely unqualified for this right i have no like i've never been on a set of anything right like, i don't you never how, filmed anything. i don't know how to act like i i was asking so many questions like every day because i was like i couldn't picture how it works i i, I don't even know i'm like okay what, what do i do do i go to the set then what do i do do we mm -hmm. film stuff like i didn't know how it works because i just never been on a set before. right right, I'm like, right. I'm always like, where do I go? What am I supposed to do right now? What's what's happening? But it actually was. It's also similar to this. And uh, well, yeah, you said you haven't acted, but you do act. I mean, we're in wrestling; we play a character. You know, you're going out there and putting on some kind of a of another vibe. But it's not you going out there; your character of Dean Ambrose. So you do kind of understand that aspect of it, at least. Yeah, I think uh, I think I did pretty good. You know, I wanted to I wanted to do good, so you know, I tried I tried really hard, and you know, I didn't want to suck. So, you know, I did <laughs> I did my research and, you know. Worked. Did you take acting lessons? Yeah, I worked with a guy for a couple of days. It was a very, uh, it was a short period of time before I had to, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Right. So, you know, I took a few classes with a guy named Alan McRae in L.A. who's uh, who was really good, who was the dad in Three Ninjas. Nice. Yeah, which is like his claim to fame. I was like, no way, really? Cool. <laughs> That's cool. I don't but, uh, know. yeah, I, I had very little pressure going because I was like, well, if this is... I mean, it's a cool opportunity. It's fun, and you know, it's it's awesome because you know, you get to start a movie. That's that's cool. Mm -hmm. But I, but I didn't feel like, oh my god, this is my big break or anything. I was just like, it was all kind of icing on the cake kind of feel. It was like, 
hey, you know what? If it sucks or I'm terrible, I'll be like, well, stop putting me in movies then. You <laughs> yeah, know, like, I don't know. Who's right? Come on. So, I, yeah, I had nothing to lose. So, I had very little pressure, but I still wanted to do good. But it, that made it a good, uh, I feel like it went in with a good attitude. And I thought everybody would be very, uh, I thought when I went in, it'd be a lot of like, oh, the wrestler. Mm, the wrestler. Kind of snobby. The wrestler yeah. guy who can't act and doesn't know what he's doing. Mm. But nobody was like that at all. Actually, most of the people assumed that I was like, a big actor or had a lot of acting experience or a lot of people thought I was a former wrestler that was now an actor oh, okay. or something like people were like, Oh, you're from LA. And I'm like, no, what? <laughs> Every day I was asking the stupidest questions. It would be all like, okay, well, you know what? We're uh, in about 10 minutes. We're going to do the yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> no, seriously, I don't know what's that. Okay, okay, you know, I'm, every day I'm like, I don't know anything that's happening. But we're, I think uh, I have a new kind of respect for like a new respect for what we do, especially here in WWE, because mm-hmm. or I feel like we don't get enough credit. For, Bingo. Yeah, for you know, because you know there were a lot of really good actors. A guy named uh, Roger Cross was like the main bad guy, who's like a big, uh, big Canadian actor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's like. A super experienced professional actor, you know. But even guys like that, and guys that been in a lot of uh, movies and stuff, you know, they have a few lines, and they got all day to to learn them. Right. And they then they get a hundred takes, and they don't have to do anything too much physical because mm-hmm. they got a stunt guy. And even the fights and stuff, you're just kind of like you know you're whiffing, and if anything's hard, you bring a stunt guy in, and you might have a segment. Say it's like okay, say. 14, 15, 16 starts with a promo. Jericho's talking trash. I come out, I talk some trash. Somebody else comes out, says, y'all have a match. We have a match. We wrestle 15 minutes. And at the end of it, two other people come out and they put you through a table or set you on fire and dump you off the stage or something. So it's like we can essentially have on live television with one take uh, a bunch of dialogue. Mm -hmm. Bunch of stunts. And and then essentially a 15-minute fight scene. Mm -hmm. And then a stunt. Mm-hmm. That you have to do yourself. Yes. And you have to do all of that all at the same time, all in one take. Right. That's any day at the office for us. So, all, you know, having multiple takes, I found it to be like, well, you know, I can it's, I can do this. Like, you know, I'm not, I didn't feel, I didn't feel in over my head at all. You know, even though I was saying I was asking a lot of questions and didn't know what was going on because I didn't know how the process works. Yeah. But once we, once I started doing everything, I was like, yeah, I can do this. This is. I always find that working in the WWE is like show business boot camp. And what I mean by that is you learn a little bit about everything. You know, you learn about in front of the audience, behind the scenes, how to add. Okay, you got 12 minutes and they give you 15. You got 12 minutes and they give you eight. Or delivering lines, comedy, drama, everything that that you need to know on how to perform in front of a camera. And when you go do a movie or a TV show, I find a lot of times, even though I'm not a quote-unquote actor, I can usually nail my, my lines in one or two takes. Because that's what we're used to. We don't get more than that a lot of times, you know? Yeah, I was memorizing lines, like, more than, like, the experienced actors I found. Yeah. I mean, they were forgetting their lines a lot more than I was. Right. I I would read them over a few times and memorize them and run through my head. And they would, line, line, line. I'm like, come on, man. Come on, it's one We've done this three times. Yeah, exactly. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. 
Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. God gave rock and roll to you. Talk is Jericho. All right, so I'm here with uh, with Dean Ambrose. Now, you're talking about, about, about acting and playing a character. I mean, your character right now in the WWE, Dean Ambrose, and it's really catching on and uh it's because it's a very unique character it's a character we haven't seen in a long time it's very much you turned up to 10 which is always the best characters but very unorthodox and lunatic fringe and um how did you kind of get this character rolling has this always been you from when you were doing indies up until now yeah i i don't really have a like, did you like? I don't did have you, a, did I don't you ever know. watch like Roddy Piper or something, or, or go like, man, uh, that guy's cool? Or because you do have a real, very manic way of doing things. To me, it seems like there's a little Piper, there's a little bit of an Austin thing in there, in that you just kind of do whatever you feel is right. Or is this just you, completely hundred percent, and that's just the way it was? Yeah, I mean, I watched everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've I've studied wrestling like and just seen everything. So you've been for, a fan since you were a kid. Yeah. So I mean, I, but I've never had like one guy who particularly tried to pattern anything off mm-hmm. of. You know, probably a lot of stuff rubs off, and you know, some stuff I just blatantly rip off. You know, most of that's you know, obvious for comedy purposes, mm-hmm. but uh, usually on house shows. But uh, <laughs> I, I try not to think too much, and I just go out there and uh, whatever kind of mood I'm in that night. Mm-hmm. It might be different. See, a lot of guys, like, you know, they come out and they do the exact same thing and are in the exact same mood and mm-hmm. have the exact same entrance every night, depending on what match they're in or what kind of angle they got going on or what kind of feud. And I'm always like, ah, if this is this is a match where you know, I really hate this guy and I'm, you know, I want to rip his head off, you know, I might go to the ring. I might just walk to the ring really fast and just go right after him, you know, mm-hmm. or if it's kind of a, we don't really have an issue and it's a fun match and I might take a little more time or I might be worried or scared mm-hmm. or injured or, you know, I, I try to look at it uh, situationally on the night. Really. I really just make a lot of crap up as I go along. I really don't, uh, but that's, put much the, true, thought into that's it. the true essence of wrestling is kind of, how do you feel? What's the crowd giving you? What is the vibe that you that you want to do? It's kind of lost a little bit now where a lot of matches are called completely from beginning to end in the back, which is fine. But if there's any room to improv, you have to have that ability. Same with promos. You know, do they do they still give you sheets of paper and say, here's your promo? Do you write it yourself? <laughs> yeah. Do you rewrite it all? Do yeah. you throw it away? <laughs> uh, the first time that somebody handed me a sheet of paper with a promo on it was like I literally like it was like a throw up in your mouth kind of moment like oh Oh, really and it's not like you know their fault no 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 no, nothing against the guys yeah not the writer's fault but it's like ah if it were my world there would be no written promos there'd Mm -hmm. be no scripts and that wouldn't be a thing it'd be like you got a promo that's it Make sure you hit on this point yeah I wouldn't like memorize lines I would just think really really hard about what the situation was, and then just go talk about it. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what's going to come out. I'm just going to, I might have a line or two or a closing line or something specific. That's harder to do too when you have a lot of back and forth in the ring and stuff. Like, I think there's too many in ring promos now. Hmm. I hate in ring promos. Really? So they, like, when they go really long and there's a lot of like, it's sometimes they, I get lo- like, I, I've never done a promo in WWE that I liked. Hmm. I've never been like, that was a good promo. 
once in WWE, and I've done a fair amount. And uh, and why is yeah. that? You just feel like the material yeah, because it's. I little... mean, because it's just if you're not, this is anytime or even if I change it a little bit to where like okay, I kind of like I like it. Is it cool if we do it like this? Okay, cool. Uh, but there's always be okay. Make sure you hit on this, and make sure you say this, and use this term. Say pay per view instead of special event, or say or whatever, it, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> or, or, or universe. Vince, Vince, Vince really wants this particular line. You know, if there's one of those little things in there, then it, then it, then I'm then you it's, feel then like it's, it's ruined. You. Then it's ruined for me. Then I'm just then I'm kind of like I can do a good job and deliver you what you want, but you know, it's not like that really like. Man, I, was, I felt good about that. I went mm. out and said what I wanted to say, it. and I yeah. felt it, and it was real. Because you know, I like it when it's like real to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, well, because that's how you can think. If you don't feel it, then you won't be able to sell it to anybody. You know what I mean? You have to believe in what you're saying, or else then you're just memorizing lines. You know, that's yeah. why it has to be coming from you, which is why it's so important to have influence when you're writing promos or getting promos from people. A lot of guys don't don't have that confidence. They'll just read lines off a page. That's not a promo. That's memorizing lines. Congratulations, you win. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I can I can do that too. And sometimes that's what you have to do because sometimes it's. Uh... You know, sometimes it's an audience of one, and that's exactly what he wants you to say. Best advice, that's right. And you got to say it. What well, has, has Vince given you a lot of uh, input as, as to your character, or in certain certain promos, or no? Nobody's really given me any input or anything about anything in the last few months or anything. I'm just kind of uh, been kind of left to my own devices, which has been good. That's a huge compliment. Yeah, to Yeah, just kind of like uh, to, to do whatever you want. You know, I still got to try to make promos work for me and stuff like that uh mm-hmm. but like vince never came to me and been like we want you to be this kind of person or what you know like i don't i can't tell you what kind of guy i play on the show mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know if i'm a good guy essentially i mean right. i'm essentially that kind of a jerk i, I don't even know mm-hmm. so i don't think they know i don't think anybody knows what what the hell's going on with me? You know, like so. <laughs> but the crowd's uh, reacting though; they like it. Yeah, um, but it's, I think sometimes Vince, uh, though, I think particularly with me, he uh, he finds you know certain things where he's kind of like living vicariously or acting out you know certain <laughs> impulses or something because he'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I want you to say you gotta rip his face off, or I want you to do, you know, you take this mannequin and. Chop his, chop his hand off. Yeah, yeah. What else could you do to this mannequin? You rip his hair out. And, and like he's really, he's, he's so really into it. Into it. And uh, once it, I, I find there's some stuff that I'm asked to do that Vince is really into. You know, like, you're talking yeah. about when you had you brought the mannequin to the ring that was supposed to be Seth Rollins, yeah. and then you're like tearing it apart. And this is Vince's instruction to you. Yeah, he's he loved it. He was Saw into his it. Hand off. Like, I was in, in, in Vince's office with this mannequin, with this bag of tools laid out on the floor. Vince is just looking at the tools and looking at the mannequin and describing what he might do to the mannequin. It was like nobody else was in the room. It was like he was just <laughs> just you and him in there with. No, I mean no. It was like he was in there alone with oh, the mannequin. Not, no, he was saying. in his own little world of just like this mannequin. What could you do to it? I could take this so. Chop his hand off. <laughs> yeah, you like that mannequin? Okay, uh, yeah, I, uh, I asked Vincent in the same conversation. I said, if I was gonna say that I was gonna, you know, 
cut his balls off. What would be the word I would use for balls? And he goes, testicles. With no hesitation. Yeah, no hesitation. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, testicles is the word we use in wrestling for if I'm going to kick you in the nuts. I had uh, Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie one time... Um, uh, with Hunter and something along the lines of like, you know, Stephanie's my precious little flower. And I said, hey, Stephanie's lost her flower a long time ago. I said, can I say that? And he goes, yes, but just make sure you pause after to let the crowd cheer and react. So it's like, yeah, you can call my daughter a slut, but just make sure you let the crowd pop before you continue. Oh, that's, that's him. You yeah, know? totally. <laughs> it's a, like you said, though. Fascinating the, guy, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> fascinating. And also, too. Has seen them all come and go, and when he finds somebody unique, I always, I always uh, like to to hear the stories like you just said. Like he wants to live. I, I like this Ambrose guy. He's the type of guy that could cut the fingers off a mannequin. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I did a thing once where he, I was doing something with China, and he wanted me to, he wanted me to smash her thumb with a hammer because she wore gloves all the time. He's like, "We'll take the thumb out. We'll put a sausage in there, and you'll smash it with a hammer." I'm like, "Is that legal? Like, am I going to get arrested?" He's like, "Creative license." So you'll tie her to a chair and you'll smash her thumb with a hammer. And I was like, all right, <laughs> and man. And he's like really into he's it, right? Super into it, right, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how, how, I mean, things have been going really great uh, for you guys basically since you came to the WWE and debuted as The Shield. I mean, right off the bat, you guys had a big push and then delivered completely. How long were you in the WWE for before The Shield uh, debuted? Was it like a year? I started, or two years or? yeah, like a year. I started in 2011. Okay. I think like May of 2011. Mm -hmm. So about a year and a half after uh, after I actually signed with the company. Then and when the, you signed, the, were you in NXT? Uh, it, was, it was FCW, FCW? back then, yeah. I kind of missed the whole NXT full sale, mm -hmm. that whole thing. That was starting you know, right as I was uh, on the way out. Actually, we did the first ever test taping where there was like this big secret thing when we were uh we were at fcw it was like we got this tv taping we're doing it's a special event don't talk mm -hmm. about it it's on tuesday or whatever and uh here's the address and like but they didn't tell us what it was it was just like we got a show and it was <laughs> and it was very fishy because there was a lot of people snooping around the the building around that period of time we could tell something weird was happening you know because mm -hmm. they were keeping it all on the down low and then we showed up to this place and then saw like the nxt symbol and the, mm. the set and we're like oh cool so they was and it was uh never filmed or released anywhere it was just kind of like a test taping a they test, did test run yeah. yeah they did like a 30 minute show and an, and an hour show and uh that was the first time we were ever there mm. and uh I guess it went good, and they liked it or whatever. And then a few months later, then they started the the NXT. Was it hard when you first came to FCW um, to kind of go, I guess you'd call it the training center, the minor leagues, whatever, because you had been doing a lot of great work. I mean, I, I, the name at the time was John Moxley, and I'd always heard about John Moxley for a while, and Tyler Black, which was Seth Rollins, and Claudio Castagnoli, which was Cesaro. Was it hard to kind of be working, like, in the top, of the top where you were and then kind of go down to the, I guess you'd say the training center minor leagues area. Uh, no, I was pretty, I was pretty happy with it because, you know, for me, I saw the opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, it was like not, you'd have to have a pretty, uh, pretty big ego to be coming there and be like, Oh, this, I get a paycheck every week and all I have to do is <laughs> to me. I was like, I get, I get paid every single week mm -hmm. in the mail. They send me the check. <laughs> and all I got to do is just wrestle. 
I don't gotta sell merch. I don't gotta right. make towns. Yeah. I don't. I don't gotta. I don't gotta bartend. I don't gotta wait tables. And I get a check in the mail. <laughs> Sign me up, bro. Uh, yeah, let's go. What's the problem? You know. So uh, at first, you know, it was it was pretty cool, like just uh, to go down there and just be like, all right, well, I'm gonna. I'm like, this is a kind of a shot in the dark. I'm like, well, let's see how this goes. Mm-hmm. Did you have a tryout to get into WWE, or did someone scout you, or no? They just called me. Okay, so they you were on their <laughs> radar from whatever. Yeah. Like yeah, it uh. Yeah, Joey Mercury pretty much uh, gotcha. you know, got me in. Like uh, He got uh, my info and stuff from his buddy Christian York and uh, got a hold of me. Just literally, I was uh, living in Philadelphia at the time, and I was just sitting on the couch one afternoon. I think I just woke up. I think I'd been working all night. I was working at a, like a bar restaurant type thing at the time. You bartending? Yeah, and like uh, woke up, and I'm just like sitting on the side of the couch like, <laughs> What's going on today? What time is it? And then I get a phone uh, phone call from a number I don't recognize. And for some reason, I, like, I picked it up. And I don't know, because normally I wouldn't. And it was, uh, it was a 203 number, which I didn't recognize. but at the Which time. is Connecticut. Yeah, and it was like, hey, this is a guy named Ty Bailey. He was like, yeah, this is Ty Bailey. Yeah, I'm WWE. I'm like, sure it is, man. <laughs> and I'm thinking like it's my buddy outside who's going to go, oh, I'm just kidding, man. I'm outside. What's up? Yeah. And I'm like, sure it is, man. Yeah, anyway, uh, I want you to do a, yeah, I haven't seen some of your... Was what, that what, his what, voice? Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> he looked like Reverend Lovejoy. Nah, he did too. Yeah, that right? kind of sound, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Hey. Every time he walked into the room, I put a picture of Reverend Lovejoy up on my phone and start showing everybody. Uh, he's just like, From yeah, you know, why don't you come down to WWE and whatever? Are you interested? I'm like, sure, man. Great, sounds great. Be a big star. Yeah, I'll come down to WWE and just rock the territory. Sure. <laughs> you got a big, big angle lined up for me. Sure, man. And. uh he hangs up, and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I completely no-sold it because I, I 100% just thought it was just somebody messing with me because people do that to each other, you know, yeah. like just playing around. And he's like, my secretary will call you. And I'm like, sure, man, secretary will call, whatever. And then just started going about my business or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then a little while later, then I got a call from Joey Mercury, who I I knew enough to where I knew it was him on the phone just from – you know, his voice and stuff, even though I hadn't spoken to him. And, and Joey was one of the trainers at FCW at the yeah. time. Yeah, and I, and I knew, I think I knew that he was down there. Mm-hmm. So, pick up the phone, hey man, hey, you get a call today? Yeah. Oh! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well cool man, congratulations man. Well, uh, can't wait to have you down here. We need guys like you down here. I'm like, oh yeah, hey uh, let me call you back. Let me process this for a minute. And then I kind of like hung up the phone. I was like, wait, wait a second. What just happened in the last 15 minutes? I think I just signed with WWE. And then and then I had an email like an hour later from uh, his secretary. And it was like from WWE Corp or whatever. And I was like, oh, holy crap. This is real. Yeah. Was this always your goal to work in the WWE? Like since you were a kid? Yeah. I kind of started to feel like it was something I wasn't destined for even even though i you know and maybe that's kind of a cop-out you know because you don't you don't want to be a like a failure so you mm-hmm. try to maybe have Downplay a pre, your prerequisite excuse like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know i'm not supposed to go to wwe i kind of like uh just it just didn't seem like something i would uh be destined for mm-hmm. and I, instead of just uh you know putting all my energy toward that you know i decided to just do my own thing mm-hmm. and, and try to carve my own niche out as my own uh, performer and have my own body of work and uh 
You know, because even if you never get on a major record label, you can still make great music. That's right. You know, so, and that's the satisfying part. And that stuff lives on for decades and decades. Some people might discover it 20 years yeah. after you retire, you know. And, uh, but it, I was all about just making my, uh, you know, making my mark and carving my niche and being my own thing. and dis- Making your own legacy, yeah. Yeah, because instead of worrying about anybody else. Mm-hmm. Telling me I'm good enough for I'm good enough to have or a job or, or what, yeah and like there's all that other stuff you got to worry about but I'm like I'm I don't have enough time to worry about whether or not like I'm tall enough or my tights look good enough or my abs look good enough because mm-hmm. I'm too busy having awesome matches and cutting awesome promos and putting together an awesome body of work you know so right. that was my mindset it's great like uh, oh who's that what's that one story about the about the band where you know, Joe Mercury told me the story once, and I, now I can't really remember. But you know, the gist of it is, you know, you can go to everybody's, you can you can knock on everybody's door and sell your music door to door, you know, or you can just go over here and make a big loud noise and make everybody turn and look at you mm-hmm. to see what's going on, and then people start coming over. I don't and have to ask buy your own tell record. Me. Yeah. yeah, I don't. That's no, but that's, that's, that's not even a story. Though. Yeah, um, sorry, I messed that up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but basically, that is just. <laughs> You know, my strategy was just do what I do, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully, and if, and if it's thing, right, you'll get there. Good things will come, and you know, and they did. So. They did. How did you? How did you end up with the name Dean Ambrose? Oh, uh, that was like another one of those things that uh, that just kind of happens. I was not. I was very hesitant about the name change. That was the one weird thing to me. Because I was so used to my name, you had built up this this name of John. Yeah, Morrison. and my real first name is uh, John, so I mean that was easy. That was an easy part. I never had another first name, and everybody just uh, where'd you get the Moxley? name Moxley from? Then uh, they gave it to me on my very. I never even came up with it. Like my okay. very first match, somebody <laughs> gave it to me because uh, we were I was I was a tag team with a guy. We were both like seventeen or eighteen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they put us in these like we we were doing like a comedy jobber shtick one of our very first matches, and uh, they put us in like these outfits that looked like the guys from Varsity Blues. Okay. So they gave us like names like the from the that show, Blue, yeah, the Varsity Blues movie. And then I just somehow kept it and stuck with it. Somehow it just stuck. Throughout. Where did but you start out? In uh, Cincinnati. Oh, with, uh, at, um, HWA in uh, with Les Les Thatcher. Yeah, well, uh, I okay. mostly trained by. Uh, he owned the place, and it was mm-hmm. like it was Les Thatcher's main event pro wrestling camp. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just kind of his name was on the gotcha. Thing. His name was uh, on the marquee. Yeah, a guy named Cody Hawk uh, really okay really took me under his wing and really uh, was in the ring with me every day and uh, you know worked a million matches with me and um, he's a guy his name you probably wouldn't have heard but he's an amazing trainer and he was an amazing worker and uh, still one of my favorite workers to watch. You know he's a hmm. You know, it's never caught on in, in you know, in was a huge, yeah, it was a huge name, but just a brilliant worker and just a really uh, awesome. Cody Hawk. Yeah, Cody Hawk is a, just a really awesome, and he's just an awesome trainer. He's still training people in Ohio, you know, if anybody, you know, wants to Looking go. for a school to go to go, or whatever. Go look up Cody Hawk. Yeah, but, I, you know, he was in the ring with me every day, and, uh, you know, I kind of picked up on his style, which was a very, very much like a, uh, he never never called anything in the back. Me and him one time wrestled. 63 minutes we did like the iron man 63 wow yeah and but and then did like overtime which is the only time i've ever done that i think (laughs) still but we didn't call anything we didn't even call the finish because i remember him saying he didn't know what the wow didn't know what he thought the finish should be i think the finish was he didn't know if like he 
would feel like it was a he should win or I win thing. It was like a retirement angle mm. or something. It was an HWA, you know, but uh, said he didn't know what – he would feel what he thought the finish should be wow. after 60 minutes. And we literally just, you know, be like, just call a spot. You'd always just start wrestling. Mm-hmm. Just start wrestling, grab some holds, call a spot, do something, do something else. Then just make stuff up as you go along. And then, like, Live he, he, a yeah, he drop kicks me, falls down. I, now I drop kick him, he falls down. Mm-hmm. And then we both get up and we double clothesline each other. I don't know, whatever it is. But yeah. we're just making stuff up as we go along. And then he would just... Uh, you know, very much into just calling a spot, going back to a hold, making something else up. And if, if uh, okay, well, we got him where we want him, you know, we should probably go home right now. No, I'm not ready to go home. Well, I don't know if we'll get him any higher. We'll just do something bigger. So then you do a superplex or something. You know, he was all, and that's that's the way I learned, which is not the way, you know, people really do it now, but it's really good. Um, it's good to have that yeah, foundation. Good, good skill, yeah. kind of skill set to have, you know, like. It, Being a classically trained musician kind of thing. Sure. It distances you from, from other guys that train just in NXT, which is okay for them. But when you have that, that foundation, you can always go back to it if you need it. I remember this time when we did this. Or I remember this time we did that. I had that from working in Mexico and Japan and all that stuff by the time I got here. It's not the style you can use. You'll get buried if you do. But it's good to remember certain pieces of it that you might need to put together the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how stuff you remember from like you know, years and years and years and years mm-hmm. ago is like a, uh, you know, it's just in your toolbox. And That's you right. Pull out some trick at the strangest time where you didn't even remember that you had this tool in your toolbox, and you'd right. be like, "Oh, you know what we could do right here? We could do this." Or something goes wrong, and there's a flub or something, and mm-hmm. you got to fix something on the fly, and you just pull out some trick you learned, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, you know, it's cool. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because now at NXT, I know they're bringing a lot of guys from other places, like not other wrestling players. I know they want to get guys that are maybe some ex-football players that got cut, and I know there's like a soccer player and this kind of thing. But there was a real good kind of band of guys that came in from the indies about the same time. You and Seth, Cesaro, uh, even the guys that, you know, Sami Zayn and Neville and those guys. Did you know a lot of those guys when you came to WWE that you were kind of like, hey, what's up, man? You had someone you could hang out with right away? Yeah, I crossed paths with uh, with all those guys at mm. one point or another. You know, it's funny, like, uh, you know, and there's a generation of those guys before us, you know, like Punk and Brian. Sure. On the same, you know, doing the same thing. And, yeah, or me and Eddie and Chris yeah, and Dean and those guys, Mysterio. Thing, same thing as, like, you, Dean, Eddie, and Ray, you know, yeah. like, working at a show in Monterey on mm-hmm. an afternoon. And then, you know, four years later, you're at, Starcade or WrestleMania <laughs> yeah. or whatever, right? And there, there probably will always be that that you know, guys out, you know, on indies or other companies or other countries or whatever who always just kind of find their way here at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, it's it's all like that. I mean, we're watching uh, Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville wrestle every single night in all these tours, and it's mm-hmm. like probably just like watching Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero wrestle mm-hmm. every single night in 1995. You know, it's like, right? Uh, exactly. It's like that kind of they're like the new. Dean and Eddie kind of thing. You know, yeah, or, the chemistry has been there for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you came in, you had other guys that you knew that you could tear it up with. We never answered, how'd you get the name Dean Ambrose? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I came up with a few, like a list of a bunch of last names. I can't really remember any of them or if any of them were any good. But I just had like a name book or some crap somebody gave me in the office. And I wrote down like 50 last names. And 
I can't remember if I even gave him any first names, but I had some kind of list of possibilities mm-hmm. or mashups or things that I might be okay with idea-wise because I really had no ideas. Mm-hmm. I was like, can we really not use my name? I was like, you can have the rights to it. I don't care. I just feel weird about using a different name. And why and, did uh, they insist on you changing your name? I don't know. It's just the way it is. Yeah, everybody's right. got to change their name, I guess. Right. You know, and uh, I think I guess just so that they have, they own it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, intellectual property and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dusty... Rhodes was like Dean Ambrose, Dean James Dean Ambrose, Ambrose. <laughs> Dean Ambrose is strong, baby. And I'm like, it's first time I heard it. It sounded so bad. And I was like, I don't went Dean. Oh, what am I like a frat boy? Like, no, that, I'm not a at all like I hated it I went oh god like my pit of my stomach but I was like but then again you know I mean he created war games you know he ain't a fool I mean I'm sure he's had a lot of a lot of misses but you know he's had some home runs and some strikeouts and my whole you know it's any me having success in WWE is such a shot in the dark anyway you know why wouldn't I just go with Dusty's idea yeah you know so James Dean that's the best like I was I was like, all right, let's do it. And that, now I'm used to it. Now I'm completely well, used to it. That's your name. Yeah. That's right. I'm just, it's just my name. It probably feels weird to even think about John Moxley now. That feels weird time. now. Yeah. Yeah, which is strange. Okay, we're going to stop there for now. Pick up this conversation back up on Friday. And you definitely don't want to miss Friday's episode because that's where we really get into the shield. How it came together. Who came up with the idea. The original concept. And what Dean thinks about breaking up that trio at the height of their popularity. He's got plenty to say about Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins as well. So more with Dean Ambrose coming up on Friday. Don't you dare miss it. I got one night to spend with you. And I'm going to make you scream. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, thanks to Dean Ambrose. A lot more coming up with him on Friday. What a great conversation, and congratulations to him for being the breakout star of the WWE in 2014 and winning a Slammy. I mentioned it earlier, I also won a Slammy as well for the most extreme moment of the year for jumping off the cage, the 20-foot high steel cage on top of Bray Wyatt on Raw a few months ago. Hey, listen, I was very surprised. People were like, well, why weren't you there? I I wasn't there because I didn't know. Uh, I was informed um, that I had won Actually, by Vince. He shot me a text and told me they'd won and told me that Fandango was uh, presenting for me. So there you go. Thanks to Fandango for for being there for me, picking up my Slammy when I wasn't there. Uh, Thanks to all of you for voting. I'm really, really impressed and surprised. It it makes me, puts a smile on my face to know that uh, you guys remember me. And you're going to remember me even more so this weekend. First of all, if you're in the Toronto area on December 14th, which is a Sunday, I will be at Heroes. Uh, toys, comics, collectibles for a meet and greet, autograph signing, a book signing. I'll be doing a live Talk is Jericho podcast. Uh, I'm going to have my buddy Damian Abraham from the uh, punk band Effed Up is going to interview me 
in front of all of you. Once again, Sunday, December 14th. It's going to be probably about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. You got autograph signing, sign your pictures, sign your stuff, sign your books, and you can be in attendance for a live Talk is Jericho podcast. If you got any questions, call the fine people. They're in Woodbridge, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. It's 905-254-1058. That's on Sunday, December 14th. And then the 15th, head over to Detroit Rock City to host Raw and be the special guest general manager. You're going to see some Y2J shenanigans on Monday. I guarantee it. Always great to be going back on Raw. It's one of the first times I've actually uh, advertised myself to be back on Raw too. Uh, for the first time probably in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, have I ever advertised myself to be back on Raw? So it's going to be a great show, just in time for Christmas, just in time uh, for you to do some last-minute holiday shopping on Amazon. If you want to get the new Fozzie record, you want to start a war, my new book, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, The Art of McCartney featuring Kiss doing rock show. Ah, I just wish I could get somebody from Kiss to be on my show. You know the place to get it, right? At Amazon, using the Talk is Jericho links. I know you know how to find them. Just go to podcast1.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho. You'll see all three of my Amazon links, UK, USA, and Canada. A. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden challenges. You're just getting your shopping done. You help me out in the process. It's the easiest way to support the show. All right. So that's it. Another fine edition of Talk is Jericho. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you on Friday for part two of my conversation with Dean Ambrose. Egypt will be here to give me his predictions for the TLC pay-per-view. And it's also episode 99. Episode 100. I've had one dream guest that I've wanted to have on this show to be on episode 100. I hope I get him. We have to wait and see. See you on Friday. Yeah, boy. You have made us the number one band in America. 